saints, if you would, one last time, would you stand with me for the reading of God's holy inspired word? We will be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. First Thessalonians chapter two and verse 13. This is the word of the Lord. Please give it your full attention. For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is. The word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. This is God's holy word. Please join me in prayer one last time. Gracious Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we ask now that you would bring understanding to our minds, listening to our ears, sight to our eyes, belief to our heart, and obedience to our hands and feet. Be glorified in our lives, we pray. Lord, I decrease that you may increase. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Brothers and sisters, this uh, afternoon, in conjunction to what we heard this morning concerning uh, what is worship, we will consider the preaching of God's word in the order of worship. Saints, what happens when God's word is preached? What is the preached word and what does it accomplish? Accomplish. By the power of the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus Christ speaks through his ordained servants to save sinners, sanctify saints, instruct minds, increase faith, hope, and love. The preached word is the ordained means by which God dispenses grace to his people. You know these. It is the gracious work of God to save sinners. It is accomplished through the preaching of the gospel. It is a gracious work of God to further set apart his people in doctrine and in life. And this is accomplished when the word is rightly divided. It is the gracious work of God preaching to increase our faith, to increase our hope, and to increase our love for him. This is accomplished as we hear, believe, and obey the word of God preached. The word of God, specifically, the word preached, is a means of grace. You are very familiar with this. God himself speaks to his people through the message of the minister who preaches God's word. Now, I have just said things that I believe you receive a steady diet of. Matter of fact, on my way here from Bakersfield, I listened to a sermon from Pastor Barcelos who spoke about preaching as being a means of grace. When the word of God goes forth, God instructs our hearts and minds, yes? And not that we could not stand to be reminded again of those things that you already know. Today, though, I thought I would press in this afternoon. I thought I would press in into at least a matter that that maybe has not been pressed into as much 
Maybe not so much in your church, but at least generally. There will be just two points this afternoon. You can praise God for that. Uh, Number one, the preached word is the word of Christ. The preached word is the word of Christ. Going back to our text, 1 Thessalonians. And I'm going to to go back just a few verses. Uh, Maybe not so much. For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, listen to this, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for, and if you have a highlighter or something, I would circle this in your scriptures, what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its word in you who believe. Uh, The apostle Paul, writing the church of Thessalonica, he commends the saints there for the manner in which they received Paul's message. When the saints of Thessalonica heard the word of God, they did not just affirm its truthfulness. For them, it was so much more than just true. While Paul and his co-laborers, listen to this name, Silvanus, you ever heard that name before? And Timothy were among the, the church there in Thessalonica. They did not come Paul says in verse five, with greed, uh, with flattery speech, uh, with a pretext for greed. Nor did we, Paul and his co-laborers, seek glory from men, either from you or from others, even though as apostles of Christ, we might have asserted our authority. But we proved to be gentle, that word, among you. As a, listen to this, Paul describes himself and his co-laborers as nursing mothers, as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her children. Verse 8, having so fond an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel, but also our own lives, because you had become very dear to us. Paul says that the church there was devout, upright, and blameless. Notice that that Paul describes the elders as being motherly, we usually don't think of our elders as being motherly, do we? We, we want them to be manly, not motherly. They, but Paul says that they cared for the church as a mother tenderly cares for her children. That is, that they, Paul didn't stop there, uh, they have this certain characteristic of being tender. Paul also says that they were also like fathers. They exhorted encouraged and implored the church there to walk in a manner worthy of God. And I hope that you see the balance here. Now, this sermon is not the qualifica- not about the qualifications of an elder, but these things must be present in the one who brings to you God's word. That is, he is both to be mother and father. He is to be a tender man, a man who is willing also, though, to exhort. He is to be a tender man who will encourage but he is also to be a firm man who will implore. He must know when to gently love and also when to firmly push. Both of these characteristics must be present in the man of God. The point is that there is a life that must be lived, a life that must accompany the point that I am about to make, which is our first point, that the message must be delivered by one who meets the qualification of elder, And Paul continues, for this reason, 
because of the conduct in which Paul conducted himself. We constantly thank God, Paul says, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you received it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. The saints examined the lives of the apostle and his co-laborers. They examined their message. The elders, they were not perfect men. It's not the point that Paul is making. No one, I pray, expects our elders to be perfect men. But there is, nevertheless, there is a standard that elders must aspire to and continue to grow in. And these should be evident in your elders. The saints examined also their message. And the message, upon examination, was estimated as being the very word of God, as being a message not from men, but a message that is directly from God. Paul commends the church for their discernment given to them by the Holy Spirit, that when the man of God preaches God's word, God himself is speaking to God's people. The church of Thessalonica set the example for all of the saints to follow. That is this. They did not view the word preached as a word from men, but as a word from God. Saints, the preached word if preached rightly, if preached faithfully, is God's very own word. When the word of God is preached, again, faithful to God's word, God himself is speaking to God's people. Brothers and sisters, this is no moot point. The Lord Jesus Christ actually speaks to us through his word. The early church believed that when the apostles preached, the voice of Christ could be heard. They believed that Christ's voice was heard through the voice of the apostles. And when, again, the word of God is rightly preached, faithfully declared, there is a voice within a voice. This is not new to your ears. You've seen, you've heard this before. But it is confirmed in God's word, and, and it may be new maybe to our understanding. If you're like me, when I first learned these things, I may have, you may have reasoned like I, I did, that maybe the apostle Paul's preaching, that was the word of God. I, I can see how they would see or view the apostle Paul, his preaching as God's word, but, but surely only of the apostle Paul. Again, in 1 Thessalonians, Paul says in, in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, for this reason, and listen to the plurality here, we... We also constantly thank God that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from not me, but us, from us, you accepted it not as the word from men, plural, but for what it really is, the word of God. Uh, this verse will, will probably be said at least 10 more times today. And not for no reason, which also has or performs its work in you who believe. Paul is not just talking about himself, that, that when Paul preached, God spoke. But Paul speaks about when Salvanus speaks. And, and most of us have never even heard of Salvanus. But yet Paul says that when Salvanus preached God's word, God spoke. We've heard of Timothy. There's, a, there's two books entitled to him. And also when Timothy spoke, you've never heard a message from Timothy. But when Timothy spoke, God spoke to his people. When God's men faithfully proclaim God's word, 
God speaks. Now let's draw this out further. How? Consider the Apostle Paul writing to the church of Ephesus. You actually heard this sermon from this particular passage uh, uh, over a year ago. Ephesians 2.17. And he, that is Christ, came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. Brothers and sisters, how is it that Christ came and preached to the church of Ephesus when the Christian church of Ephesus did not exist in the time of Christ's incarnation? How is it that Paul says Christ came and spoke to you? Uh, Christ came and preached to you peace, you who were far off. They were far, but Paul is not speaking by way of metaphor, and Paul is also not speaking hyperbole. Paul testifies that Christ came and preached to the church of Ephesus. This is possible. How? It is possible when the man of God stands behind or stands wherever he stands and proclaims rightly and faithfully God's holy word. When it is proclaimed rightly, the voice of Christ is heard by all who have been given ears to hear. Little ones, do you hear? Are you believing? Are you understanding? Then Christ is speaking to you. Consider the words of our Lord when the Jews pressed him concerning his identity, saying in John 10, If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. The Lord Jesus answered, I told you, but you do not believe the works that I do in my Father's name. These testify of me, but you do not believe. Now listen to what he says. Because you are not my sheep. Now, now, the Lord then begins to say something that we are all familiar with. My sheep, you could, you could finish it if, if, if you wanted to, right? My sheep, they hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. He will go on to say that that I have sheep who are not even here and they will hear me. Well, let me ask you, brothers and sisters, is it still true today that the sheep of Christ hear the voice of their shepherd? Is, Is it still true today that today the sheep of Christ are still following the voice of their shepherd? Or or was it only true when Christ was actually uh, in the incarnation, when Christ assumed our flesh, was it only true then that the sheep of Christ could hear the voice of their shepherd? Or has the voice of Christ somehow, someway, been heard through all of these generations by those who are the sheep of Christ? If it has always been true that the sheep of Christ have always heard the voice of Christ, how then do they hear the voice of Christ? I submit to you on the evidence of God's holy inspired word that when God's word is read, when God's word is preached, and when the people of God, the sheep of God, hear the voice of their Savior speaking to God's word, they are still hearing the voice of Christ and they are following their great shepherd. Paul says, or Peter says in 1 Peter 4, 11, whoever speaks is to do so, listen to this, as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever, he's speaking about preachers, whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified. That God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. 
to whom belongs all glory, dominion forever and ever. Amen. The apostle says, whoever, that is in reference to the minister, whoever has been gifted to preach and declare God's word for the glory of God, that they speak the utterances of God. That when they speak, they are speaking words that are essentially God speaking to you. And the minister serves as a herald. One of the saints encouraged me this morning, you are a herald. Do you know what a herald is? A herald is one who would come and announce to the people everything that has been decreed by the king. The herald would come and he would say, hear ye, hear ye. All who have ears, hear what the king says. The herald is not the king. The herald speaks on behalf of the king. And everything that the herald says is just as good as if the king himself were saying it. Though it come from the herald's lips, it come from the finger of the king. When the herald spoke, he was speaking as if the king himself were speaking. He stood as a representative, a representative of another. The one who he represents has absolute power. And he sends this herald to proclaim all that he has said. Jonathan Cruz in that book back there This message belongs so intimately to Christ that it is though he were the one on the pulpit. True preaching doesn't present the preacher. It presents Christ. When the man of God stands up to preach, they are being utilized by God to make known God and his word. This time when the man of God stands and gives God's word, is to cause our ears to perk up, cause our minds to be alert so that we could hear all that God has to say to the people of God. Every time someone stands, a man of God stands behind this pulpit and preaches God's word, we are to give our undivided attention. Listen to this. Not because there is something inherently special about the man. He has come as a herald. He's come only as one who has come to proclaim and nothing more. He calls you to engage. He calls you to think and and to contemplate, not to be distracted, not to passively receive, but to, but to actively participate. Why would you do such a thing? Why would you offer so much of your attention, your energy and your focus to this particular moment, which you should do for all of worship? But why would you give? So much effort. What makes what we are saying so important that we would call you to such great attentiveness? Because these are not the words of men. These are the words of God. These are not the agendas of a man. These are not the pet doctrines of a man. They are not the personal gripes of a man. They are the very words of God and the sheep of Christ know the voice of Christ and they will hear and obey that message. When the message is preached, Paul says, what should we preach? He answers the question. We preach Christ crucified. Paul says, for I deliver to you as of first importance what I received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried And that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. 
We do not preach ourselves, brothers and sisters. We do not preach our agendas. Uh, We do not have this as a platform for our political opinions or ideas. This is not a comedy show. This is not a motivational speech. It's not a time for you, for me to give you a variety of my old stories from my life. God has appointed men of God to proclaim this message. And by the mouth of these men, Christ calls sinners to repentance. By the mouth of these men, Christ instructs hearts and minds. By the, by the mouths of these men, faith is increased, hope is increased, love is increased, and we are conformed to Christ by the words of these men. That is not the word of men, but it is the word of God. Consider Romans 10, 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news of good things. Here the apostle equates the voice of the preacher to the voice of Christ. And we might immediately ask, well, where exactly does he say that? How shall they believe in him and whom they have not heard? The answer to that question comes by way of the minister that Christ sends and speaks through. This is why their feet are beautiful. Because their feet carry the message of life and death. In their tongue is the message of life and death. Heinrich Bollinger says the preaching of the word of God is the word of God. Is that not what the apostle has just said? For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. Now, at this point, it's, it's important for us to acknowledge that for unfamiliar ears, this point that God himself speaks to the minister It immediately, for unfamiliar ears, it seems audacious. Who do you think you are? Uh, And here's the next reason why it could also be audacious. Speaking to some of the brothers uh, during our break. I know you. I know you very, very well. And from all, all, all outward accounts, you seem very normal. Matter of fact, you're not just normal. For some of you, you you equate your minister as being very weird. They drive normal cars. They eat, and when they eat, food is on their face. You've seen them at times be actually kind of embarrassing. You've seen our cars, our homes, not very impressive. You have seen us tired. You have seen us when we don't have much to say at all, when we are actually not very interesting at all. Uh, you have seen us outside of this pulpit and in conversation, things that we say are, are often uh, not as impressive as when we are here. The point is, the elders don't seem very divine. And you are right. Don't ever lose that. Elders are not divine. 
God doesn't make the preacher Christ. God doesn't make the preacher divine for 45 to 60 minutes. But he speaks on behalf of the divine. For that allotted time. God speaks through men. He does. The man is being changed along with the saints. But the man is still a man. The Westminster Shorter, 89. The Spirit of God makes the reading, but especially the preaching of the word, an effectual means of convincing and converting sinners and of building them up in holiness and comfort through faith unto salvation. Don't misunderstand me. You should highly esteem the man of God that God has given to you. He is your gift. Uh, Brother Mario or, or Frank said, he's the way that God shows you that he loves you. Some of us might say, I, I wish you would have showed me a different way. But God shows us how much he cares about you by giving you your preacher. Your preacher is being used by God to help you grow in Christ. They are the ones that Christ has decreed to use to make you like Christ. Paul was criticized when he came to Corinth. They had much to say about his presence. Much of what Paul was very aware of. 2 Corinthians 10.10, here's what he says that they know they say about him. They say about Paul, his letters are weighty and strong, but his personal presence, unimpressive, and his speech, contemptible. Paul was aware that the word about him going around town was that he was not of a certain stature that would cause someone to say, whoa, look at him, as soon as he walked in. His presence was not impressive. Here is a man that would have bore the marks on his body of being beaten for the gospel. Historically, it is believed that Paul had poor eyesight. That there was nothing physical about his appearance that would be impressive nor intimidating. This was also true about his speech. It's not known why Paul's speech was contemptible, maybe because of what he said versus how he spoke. But nevertheless, there was nothing impressive in their account of the way that Paul spoke. Not what he spoke again, but possibly the way he spoke. It must not be the goal or the aspiration of the minister to be impressive. If the minister's goal is to impress you, is to have you say about him when he leaves, gee, what a guy. Wow, he's impressive. If that's the minister's goal, then he is a wolf in sheep's clothing and he will eventually be exposed. The minister's number one responsibility, the, the greatest responsibility, the, the thing that is most in, important when the minister gathers for worship and preaches God's word is to be faithful. Faithful to God's word and nothing more. He says, when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom. Proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not persuasive words of wisdom, but a demonstration of the spirit of power. 
Why, Paul? Why were your words not flowery? Now, there's, there's nothing wrong with using uh, um, high language. Nothing wrong with that. But, Paul, why did you not elect to use such speech? In that uh, Hellenistic Greek culture, Paul was aware of a few things. That there was a preoccupation with gifted storytellers. And there was also a preoccupation with those who were gifted in rhetoric. They were able to capture the attention of the audience. And Paul would not give in to that temptation. Paul knew what is still true today. That people are most often drawn to the man rather than the message. People are most often drawn to the man rather than the message. People will go to a church where heresy is being preached simply because they like the man. They will go to a church where a man is charismatic, where he is able to have a certain kind of gift and a swag about him, regardless of the message that comes out of his mouth. There are some who care more about a voice than the message, more who care more about a stature than the message, more who care, some who care more about a posture than the message, who care more about mannerisms and gestures, storytelling ability, rather than faithfulness to God's word. And Paul and any faithful minister must not give in to the temptation to appease those desires of men. Why? Why would Paul not give in to these? So that your faith, he says, would not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. The goal of the apostle was to lead men to Christ, not to lead men to men. If preaching were about the preacher's skills, the preacher's abilities, uh, their charm, uh, their, their, their ability to, to, to tell wonderful stories, then I say to you that the power of the gospel is empty. The power of the cross is emptied if, if our reliance is on all of those other things. If people are not looking to Christ, to see Christ, to hear Christ, to believe upon Christ, and if the herald is leading people somewhere other than Christ, then they are a wolf in sheep's clothing and you must beware of them. Is Christ being preached? Is Christ being exalted? Is Christ being lifted up? Then that is the word of Christ. There's only room for one message here, and it's the message of Christ. There's no room for my ideas, no room for my opinions. Only what God has said is allowed. Some may say, is it that big of a deal? It's not our message. This worship is not regulated by us. We don't get to determine what we want to say. We worship how God commands. We say what God says. And what is the result? The result is that the church matures and grows. Acts 2.42, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Acts 6-7, the word of God kept 
on spreading, and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem. Acts 12, 24, the word of God grew and multiplied. Acts 13, the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. As a result, men and women were growing in Christ. When Christ is preached, the church grows. When Christ is preached, the church matures. We, When Christ is preached, we grow up. It's not because your elders are charismatic that the church grows. It's because we are faithful to preach God's word that the church grows. This morning I said about worship, we meet with God. Just because there are a number of people there doesn't mean that God is there. You may travel around Lancaster and Palmdale and see other churches that have a larger uh, a larger congregation, as it were, than you are, than you do. Doesn't mean Christ is, is being preached there, though. You meet with God when you worship with God the way that God commands. And if you are worshiping the way that God commands, God is there, regardless if there is five or five hundred. We must be devoted to the teachings of Christ, who gave his word to his apostles, who wrote the word of Christ in his word, and then passed it to men who would preach God's word as they are used by Christ to be his voice. Therefore, saints, young people, old people, all of those in the middle, never view this time as being meaningless. Never view this time as being fruitless. Never view this time as being a waste of your time. Never view this time as being boring. I implore you, give yourselves over to the intentional intent listening to the preaching of God's word. I implore you, come with faith, expecting to hear from Christ. You may not walk away every single time feeling that the heavens have opened up and God spoke directly to you, but he is speaking to you. You may not walk away feeling like the earth shook during that sermon every single time, but Christ is speaking to you. You may not feel, I keep using the feel, the subjective though. It is all God's word. If Christ is being faithfully preached, then Christ is speaking. It, one sermon may not be as interesting as the, as the other to you, but it is nevertheless Christ speaking to you. We must not come in saying, uh, I want to hear this today. You should, and it be something that you prefer. It, it must always be, Christ, speak to me through your word today, whatever you have to say. Just as the minister who is faithfully preaching doesn't get to pick and choose what he likes to preach and doesn't like to preach. He preaches all of God's word. So you, the listener, must listen to all of God's word, whether it's your preference or not. Is Christ speaking from his word? Then you listen. Is Christ declaring for his, from his word? Then you listen. It seems uh, today's sermon was kind of boring. Christ speaking to us is never boring. If we engage, if we come with faith, if we are doing our part and not saying, Minister, entertain me today. Minister, tell me a funny story today. You, you stop telling the stories. Why? I like those stories. Preach Christ. 
That's what I want to hear. Preach Christ. Preach the word of Christ. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Give me Christ. Give me all of Christ. Preach Christ to me. When the word of God is faithfully preached, Christ is speaking to you, his people. Devote yourselves, therefore, to these doctrines, to these sermons, to the gift that is your elder. And in doing so, you are devoting yourself to Christ. Secondly, and this will be much shorter. The word of God preached is the word of Christ. And you and I have a responsibility and privilege of hearing this word. One more time. For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it, what it, what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. The saints in Thessalonica viewed the preached word as exceedingly great. Why? Well, we've already answered that question in one sense, because they accepted the word of God for what it truly is, the word of God and not a word from men. But notice that the Apostle Paul gives the reason why they are, listen to this word, able why they are able to view the preached word in such a way. They were given an ability to view the word of God in such a way. To view the preached word in the manner in which they viewed it was a gift from God. It is the word of God empowered by the Spirit who is performing a work in you that enables you to estimate the word of God preached as being from Christ. You are hearing the word of God, believing the word of God, obeying the word of God because of the work of the triune God within your soul. You and I were not able to come to such a conclusion apart from the work of God. There was a time, saints, when these messages that you have heard would be seen as foolish in our lives at one point. How is it that, that now, today, when you hear this sermon, you estimate it as being from God? That, that you, you don't no longer view it as the foolishness of men, but you view it as the power of God unto salvation. How is that possible? Are you just, are you just smarter than everyone else, Jesse? What do you think, Frank? Maybe you just are sharper up top than everyone else. There was a time when we were among those who viewed Christ and the preaching of Christ as being absolute foolishness. John, there was a time when myself and maybe you said, I will never have anything to do with Christ or his church. I will never be a part of a church. Give myself every, give up a Sunday, every Sunday for the rest of my life. To go and hear someone yell and preach and scream and spit? Foolishness. 
And yet, here you are. Hearing, understanding, believing, and, and going out throughout the rest of this week, being challenged by the world, the flesh, and the devil to obey. Everything that you are hearing today will be put to the test by the enemy of our soul, and God will give you, through the work that he's doing in your soul, the strength to obey all that you have heard and believed. How many times do you and I hear the preached word and we didn't believe? How many times did we hear the voice of our shepherd and, and, and we, were, we were deaf to him? How long did we wander as lost sheep without a shepherd? But thanks be to God Almighty, you are now here. You are now hearing. You are now following the voice of your shepherd, and, and he is leading you. You are here by the work of the Holy Trinity. You are, in act, you are interacting now. You are engaging. You are thinking. You're believing. You are being put to death in one sense and made alive in another sense during this gathering of worship. Do we realize just how much of a blessing the preached word is to our ears? Because there was a time when we could not hear. And now we do. Do you see how this connects, John, with the morning that, that, that we could get so caught up with just the form of it and forget the devotion of it? That we could get so caught up and I'm, I'm just here. But do you realize that you can now hear? When before you could not. A gracious gift has been afforded to you. For nothing that you have done and nothing that you could ever repay. How long have you been witnessing to your unsaved family members and friends? And they just, they just, they, no matter how many times you say it, no matter how, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to. I'm going to hear uh, Pastor Barcellus's sermon. I'm going to say it just like Pastor Barcellus because he makes the most sense. And they still can't understand. Nothing wrong with you. Nothing wrong with even the way that you're saying it. You have been given a gift to now hear. The Spirit of God working within you has opened up your ears, enlightened your minds, taken the heart of stone and given you a heart of flesh. Oh, what a privilege it is to hear the Word of God preached. Blessed. Christ says, are they that hear and blessed are they, the eyes that see. The preached word has is, is been scattered and it's fallen on good soil and it's producing much fruit. God has mercifully chosen us in Christ. He is determined. I, I, I hope I don't offend anyone and, and I don't want to burst anybody's bubble either, but, but, but you aren't naturally good, good soil. You, you were like the desert that I crossed to get here, you and I. Throw seed out there, it'll just die. God has made you and I good soil. He has made you and I good soil so that when the word of God goes forth, it produces fruit. We have been made fertile ground. And is accomplished through the Spirit accompanying the preached word of Christ.
We were deaf. We were indifferent. We were those in the desert. We were dry ground, fruitless, and yet Christ has been merciful to all of us. All of those who have gathered, you have been gathered into the kingdom of God. Christ makes the, uh, the parable of, of the kingdom of God like, like a net that has been cast out. And dear ones, you were not too far in the sea and not too deep that the message of the kingdom could not reach you. God has captured you into that net. You are now a part of the kingdom of God. You are not so far out of the king's reach. Praise be to God. You've been captured by Christ. And this is accomplished as the message of the gospel preached is cast out into the world. It draws all those who belong to Christ in. We were walking in darkness. We've been not... God hasn't given us a torch. He's given us the very Son of God. Spurgeon, on preaching, says this. Personally, I have been blessed by God, by many books. I thank God for Dr. Doddridge's rise and progress of religion. I thank God for Baxter's call to the unconverted. I thank God for the alarm to sinners. I bless God for James's anxious inquirer. But my gratitude most of all is due to God. Not for books, but for the living word. And that too, addressed to me by a poor, uneducated man, a man who never received any training for the ministry and probably will never be heard of in this life, a man engaged in business, no doubt of menial kind during the week, but who had just enough grace to say on the Sabbath, look unto me and be saved, all ye ends of the earth. The books were good, but the man was better. The man revealed the word of God, and the word of God was awoken to me by the Spirit, and I must have ever attached myself to the value of hearing the truth, for by it I receive the joy and peace in which my soul delights. As only Spurgeon could say, you and I have been given a precious privilege to hear the word of God. It is God's gift to you. But we're not only responsible to hear responsible to obey privilege to hear responsibility to hear and to obey your elders responsibility is to study and pray and preach your responsibility is to hear believe and obey I pray that you are hearing the preach word I pray that you are making the kind of preparation that you make when you are preparing to take the Lord's Supper for the preached word and for worship as a whole. I was saying to one of the brothers, all of what we do is worship. Do not just say it's just the preached word. From the singing of the songs to the listening to the call to worship, God is calling you. God is calling you into covenantal communion with him. Do not take that moment lightly. God is calling you. And we can sometimes devalue the different moments of our worship as being important, not as important. It is all important. 
I pray that your preparation when the word of God comes and when we come for worship should be, Lord, give Sean the vocals to sing and lead us in song. Lord, give Pastor Barcellos the voice, the clarity, and the strength to give your word to me this morning. Help him to faithfully preach your word. And let that word that is preached put sin to death in me and make me alive in Christ. Quicken me today by your word. What kind of preparation do you take? And do you make in coming not only to worship, but then also to the preached word? You see that it, this is how our, our Christianity can become so devoid of devotion and become so form, so, so formal. When we, when we take the relational aspect of it, out. I was saying to uh, John earlier that those who are in the, the charismatic community, they look at you and me as, as called, you know what they call you? You are called the frozen chosen. You, you attend to all the forms, but you have no devotion. Let that not be true of us. Let us be those who can say boldly, no, we worship God in spirit and in truth. The Lord Jesus said, he who has, he who is of God, hears the words of God. There was a woman who shouted out when Christ was speaking, blessed is the mother who gave birth to you and nursed you. And our Christ responded on the contrary, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. We not only should hear, but obey. The apostle Paul at the end of his book gives the purpose and attention for the words of God. These have been written that you may believe in the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in his name, you have life in him. It's not enough just to hear. We must obey. And when we are hearing and obeying, believing, the Apostle Paul says in closing, for this reason, we thank God that you have received the word of God, which you heard from us, which you accepted not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. I pray, dear saints of Grace Reformed Baptist Church of Palmdale, that when you gather for worship, that you see worship for what it truly is, covenantal communion with God. And that when you hear the word of God preached, when it comes to that time, that your heart is prepared to hear Christ speak to you. To help you put sin to death in one sense and help you be made alive in another sense. You are being conformed to Christ and blessed are you who have ears to hear. It is the work of God, our triune God within our souls. Let us pray. Gracious God and Father, thank you for your grace, for your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for the strength and endurance. Thank you, God, for the joy that we all receive in hearing your word and gathering for worship for all that we do that when we gather is true worship. Let us, Lord, persevere in the faith. Let us, Lord, fix our eyes on Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. Let us, Lord, not grow weary in times of difficulty, but let us trust that he who began a good work in us will complete it until the day of our Christ. God, thank you for giving me time to fellowship with these dear saints here. And God, until the next time that we meet, please keep them, hold them close. Let them know, Lord Jesus, that you have promised that you will never leave them nor forsake them. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.